0: A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Trent Creedy. He's a chief data scientist and director of engineering at Rx review. You guys probably remember our interview with Carm Huntress, the CEO. That's episode 430 on transforming prescription decision support. Today we're hosting Trent and he's the brain of the operations, the data science and engineering. In his role right now, he oversees the technical initiatives and teams, including software development, security, HIPAA development operations, DevOps, and really analytics and reporting. Additionally, he leads advanced statistical and predictive modeling, reporting, and analytics initiatives. He has over 20 years of software development experience, 15 plus years of advanced statistical and machine learning training, as well as 15 years of studying and publishing on the biological basis of human behavior. Dr. Creedy has developed a unique combination of complementary skills. Prior to joining Rx Review, he conducted research in a top computational neuroscience lab utilizing cutting edge techniques such as deep neural networks and other machine learning algorithms to help better understand the functioning of the human brain. Today, he is focusing those efforts and learnings in making medications more affordable and helping Americans and their providers do the best for them with the right choices in medications. So just such a pleasure to have you here, Trent. Thanks for joining.
1: Yeah, thanks so much,
0: Saul. Really happy to be here. Absolutely. So, you know, before we dive into the work that goes behind the scenes of the RX review engine, I'd love to get more on, you know, you and what inspires your work in healthcare.
1: Yeah, you know, I've always believed that and this is going to sound a little corny so but um, I've always believed that those who have the ability to make a positive difference kind of have an imperative to do so and you know if you look at my career whether it was when I was doing autism research or others I've always chosen paths that at least give me some opportunity to make make a real impactful difference for people mm-hmm. and you know healthcare is one of these great areas where Due to you know its complexities, sometimes it's relatively slow to change and just the importance of what's happening in healthcare. There's small improvements that can make really positive, large positive impacts. And so there's just so many ways that we can make healthcare workers' lives better, patients' lives better. And so it kind of you as a
0: perfect place to to really have a positive impact. I think it's great. I don't think it's corny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's awesome. You know, and and you're right. You know, it's these little changes that you could make that have such tremendous impact. And, you know, speaking of medication adherence, transformation of prescription, there's a huge opportunity there. So I'd love to maybe even recap, you know, the time with CARM. Tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about Rx Review, what the core value there is, and how you're contributing to getting to those results.
1: Yeah. So I'd say at RX Review sort of our core value is we're trying to remove barriers from access to care for patients you know, making it easier for the providers to give that care make it easier for the patients to get that care. We're currently focused on issues that are mainly surrounding patient access to medications. And we're doing this through leveraging technology and leveraging transparency. Mm-hmm. Um, Review, you know, through our partnerships, we're able to provide what's known as benefit information in real time to the provider, to the prescriber, as they're sitting there with their patient, so they can have a conversation as, you know, does this medication make sense for you? Can you afford it? By the way, there might be a prior authorization for this, so it's going to be a couple weeks before we can get this to you. Is that okay? And really making that process a lot more smooth to the hopes of getting that patient the medication at the right time, you know, for the right price so that they can you know, hopefully get on the treatment that their healthcare expert has suggested for them, which would then, you know, there's lots of studies that have shown this will increase the adherence of the patient, thereby also reducing the burden on the healthcare system by preventing things like readmissions and other issues that can happen with non-adherence.
0: Yeah, Trent, this is good stuff. And, you know, and it's real time. So, you know, on the data side, and, you know, it's a problem, right? $330 billion is, I guess, what was estimated in 2016 for prescription yes. drugs. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a big number. And so you guys are focused on real time data. Can you tell us the value of that and, you know, how that translates into potential results for patients and providers? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um... <laughs> If it's not real time for the patient, given how quickly things can change in the prescription space, the value is greatly diminished. So Mm -hmm. by the time that the, the, I guess I could back up a little bit, there's something called formula and benefit information, which is the old way essentially of getting price information for patients. And almost by the time this was loaded into whatever system was being used to communicate this, it was nearly out of date for the patient. Mm-hmm. And so real-time allows this information to be acted on immediately by the provider. This includes things like, you know, as we've moved into this value-based system with higher deductible plans and so forth, the patient may not be all the way through the deductible, right. right? So the old way of doing it wouldn't have accounted for that. But with real-time information, you're able to actually say something to the effect of, you still need to pay off X amount of your deductible. Therefore, this medication is still going to cost you you know $100 but after you know the next refill it's going to go down to 10 based on your copay. So that kind of information is really valuable to have at the point of care because you know matters like dollars matter to patients for picking up their medications. Yes. And if if they don't have that information then by the time they get to the pharmacy they'll suffer what's you know commonly called sticker shock and abandonment can be as high as you know 30 40% at that point.
0: Abandonment. Yeah. Yeah, you know you help the patient say, oh, wow, this is the reality. Actually, what else do I have? Like, what are my other options, doctor, right?
1: Exactly. The conversation happens while the patient is there with the prescriber. Um, There's no burden of callback on the pharmacy to have that conversation. And really, for me, the most important thing is is that patients are so much more likely to actually pick up that medication if they have that conversation ahead of time.
0: There's no surprise when they get there. Got it. I think that's a real advantage of real-time information. Very cool. And so, on the deductible side, that's a huge benefit.
1: Anything else? Um, I think the other really interesting part about real time information is you can not only reduce the burden on the patient and increase the likelihood that they're going to pick up their medication, but you know, there's This concept of prior authorization, which is essentially something that organizations that are at risk or insuring the patient will use to kind of say like, hey, have you tried these other medications? Let's make sure that you're not jumping ahead, kind of slowing down the process a little bit for them to access higher cost specialty medications. And what's great about flagging that information is... A lot of times the provider or prescriber wouldn't have known that that was going to be a burden that the patient or the pharmacy or even their own staff was going to have to face to get that medication out. So by surfacing that information, giving them ways to sort of bypass it with possible other alternatives that don't have that kind of coverage restriction, they can make the decision right then and there that, hey, we're not going to go through this process because we don't want this patient to get this medication two weeks from now. We want them to get this medication today.
0: Great. So in other words, medication that does the same thing, but doesn't have all the pre-authorizations. Exactly.
1: Um, That's really cool. Yeah. You know, it's up to the expert in the room, the prescriber to decide if this medication, maybe they've failed something else before, but showing them something that's therapeutically equivalent that would have the same effect and giving that option is also really powerful.
0: Love it. Yeah, that's really powerful. And how about on the pharmacy side? Are you guys facing them or just getting data from the pharmacy or are you also providing value and benefits to the pharmacy?
1: We do think that we provide value to the pharmacy as far as you know if you kind of take this rubric of reducing friction in the process. Mm-hmm. We don't contract directly with pharmacies or anything like that, but we do by having this conversation up front about the coverage restrictions that might exist, if there's going to be an adjustment to the quantity that would prevent this from being covered by the patient's insurance, we can take care of that upstream so by the time it gets to the pharmacy, they don't have to worry about calling the doctor's office back and working through the prior authorization or working through those quantity limits. It will already be handled for them. Um, So in that way, it's making their lives a little bit easier
0: as well. Very cool. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, Thank you for that. You know, and um, data is crucial and really understanding how the data can help. And in healthcare, if you can get real-time data and you know how to use it, it's powerful.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely it is. There's somewhat of a paucity of this in healthcare. Um, So being on the forefront of getting this real-time care or real-time data is really important. But I think the floodgates are getting ready to start to open as people are starting to see the benefits that we're able to provide by giving this data in real time as opposed to, you know, at times weeks um, after the fact.
0: And so that this march towards real time data, I think, is only going to get better for us. So, Man, that's awesome. I think it's great. Uh, you guys are certainly leading the way here. And so let's talk a little bit about really the different offerings, right? So cost transparency is huge. You guys are providing that. Therapeutic alternatives is awesome. Uh, You mentioned coverage restrictions. Give us a story, you know, maybe of a customer or a patient that you guys were able to benefit. It could be an outcomes result or it could also be a, a business improvement result.
1: There's been quite a few lately. So we recently did a webinar with Dr. C.T. Len from UC Health, and he was able to provide a really powerful example of, um, and you'll have to forgive me, I won't remember the exact medications that um,
0: That's okay. he
1: was able to cite in this, yeah. but where he was using our tool with his patient and as he prescribed a medication for them, it came back with, you know, not only the price of the medication, but also some really simple alternatives. I th- I think some of these things were as simple as switching to a 90 day supply and possibly going from a tablet to a capsule. Like nothing that's really hard for yeah. per yeah. shattering. But the cost savings for the patient in this case was in the hundreds
0: of dollars per month. Per yes. Yeah. And Which is week, crazy, month. right? I mean like yeah. this stuff adds up.
1: And it adds up in unintuitive ways, right? Like who would have Mm -hmm. thought that just simply changing the form like from tablet to capsule would have had this sort of disproportionate effect on price. And there's no way that the prescriber would know that because they're not necessarily in, like they don't, have the benefit plan of every single patient that comes through memorized. And so he was able to save this patient who he described as an at-risk patient who would likely not have been able to get this medication if they hadn't had that information in real time. That was one that really struck me as, um, you know, keep using the word powerful, but I do think it is. the. It is powerful. The, the idea that simple things can make such a big difference and without that data, there's just... Healthcare is just too complex. These benefit plans are too complex for to expect our providers to be able to do this on their own.
0: I think it's great, Trent. And so, you know, I think about the employers that are responsible for thousands, millions of lives, right? And how powerful this tool could be for employers. Are you guys working with employers or mainly with providers? Tell me more about that. Most of our, let me, I guess, put it like
1: this all. We work mainly with healthcare organizations directly. Okay. We kind of sit in the middle of this value chain between organizations that are at risk, such as payers and PBMs and the healthcare systems themselves. As such, you know, there are you know, healthcare systems that have their own plans or you know, at risk themselves or possibly employed organizations that use one of our payer partners as someone that services their benefits so they could possibly be leveraging our information as well. But we don't contract directly with them. Got but, it. Yeah, got
0: it. No, it makes a lot of sense. You're enabling the providers and those bearing risk, not necessarily the employers that are purchasing the insurance. Exactly. Gotcha.
1: Exactly. Gotcha. And, you know, something that has been nice about sort of how we're positioned in the market is, you know, we're we're not owned by any large organization. We're a privately held, you know, healthcare company. Who are most of our major investors are healthcare organizations. Mm-hmm. And that lets us sit at this nice little nexus in the value chain of healthcare where that we can try and align incentives across the organizations that are at risk with the healthcare systems and with the patient. We believe that reducing this friction in access to medications and providing this information, this data in real time, that will allow the patient to get their medication more quickly and more reliably, that in turn will you know help the healthcare organization provide better care for their patients provide better information for their prescribers as well as reducing some of the administrative burden from some of these prior authorizations and things like that and if you can increase the health of the patients by having them on their medications people that are at risk for these patients are going to do better as well because you're not going to have as many readmissions you're not going to have as many you know high cost health events as adherence goes up and so it's a really nice position to be in that we don't have to consider any sort of corporate masters at this point, and we can just really concentrate on
0: delivering value. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it, Trent. Thank you for that. And certainly valuable. And, you know, we could also think about the less fortunate populations that, Mm -hmm. you know, have trouble with access and federally qualified care centers, these populations, or is there anything being done there, you know, to help with affordability?
1: Absolutely. Especially in the, what I call the the Medicare population, but there's, you know, a lot of federal organizations that could potentially benefit from this. You know, imagine someone that is on a fixed income that is in the elderly population that's on Medicare. Once they get to their donut hole where, you know, the coverage kind of has a gap for a little bit. Understanding the cost of their medications and what other options they might have might be the difference between them staying on, you know, their diabetes medications or uh, their lipids or something like that. That you know is vital for them for their health and for potentially other cost events in healthcare that could happen if they get off of their meds. So in some ways, it's helping them budget and stay on track with their healthcare if they have this kind of information when they're in that, you know, that that gap that happens within Medicare. Yeah,
0: that's a great opportunity there for sure. And so, Trent, very cool work. You know, I appreciate learning more about the data side from you. And so, tell us about maybe a setback that you guys experienced. What you learned from that that's made yeah. you guys even better today. Yeah. This is about
1: my sixth year with Rx Review, and so I've seen mm-hmm. uh, as I started basically from the beginning with them. I'd say one of the bigger setbacks that we've had was when that we realized that the way we were trying to get information to the patients and to the providers was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, we've always had the mission of helping patients get access to medication through transparency and through cost savings opportunities, but we started this path down a consumer-facing route where we were trying to essentially have this conversation with the patient. We cut the prescriber out of this. We cut the healthcare organization out of this conversation. And we had some pretty rough times because of that initial misstep. The healthcare organizations, these are the people making the decisions for the medications. They're the ones having the conversations with their patients on what the best route of care is. Um, And as I said, we definitely had sort of a... A reckoning of sorts where we realized that we were completely going down the wrong path of delivery. And we had to throw away, I would say, four years worth of software development, do some reorganizational structure because we didn't necessarily have the right people in the right seats anymore. And it was so painful, but we ended up finding this much better fit where now we're in the workflow, working directly with the healthcare organizations instead of around them. Wow. Um, and so, like that was a very painful thing to learn. Definitely, some people suffered because of it, unfortunately. But having learned that, and knowing now the right way to get this information to people has been uh, transformational for for us as a company.
0: That's so great, Trent. I mean, you know, the pain and the hardship that you guys went through there was formative, but also just you know shows how committed you guys are to this. Because at that point, when you're like, "Gosh." you know four years into it we were doing this wrong you know and not necessarily wrong but we weren't hitting the mark the way that, that it was going to take off like a lot of people would have given up
1: that's not in our dna thankfully but yes <laughs> it was uh it was definitely painful Saul i will say that but the and this is common in startups right where you for realize sure. that the way you're running ended up being misguided for xyz but if you're able to take that and learn from it rather than sort of use it as an excuse you can do what we did, which was you know, save the company and then start adding the value
0: that you always wanted to add to the healthcare system. And it's been great since we made that call. Man, that's so great. I appreciate you sharing that story. It's inspiring. And for all the folks listening, I hope you can draw some inspiration out of that as well. If you feel like you're at a point right now where your business or your organization for that matter is you know maybe hitting a brick wall, it's an opportunity to rethink Make a shift and keep at it because if you're truly committed, you could find a way. And so now because of that commitment, resilience, Trent, Carm, and the rest of the team at Rx Review are able to fulfill their mission of helping patients get affordable access to their medications. And they're helping through the existing workflows, you know, through the EHRs, EHRs that the, the providers already use. So. Fascinating and inspiring, Trent. What would you say you're most excited about today?
1: I'd say the thing I'm most excited about today is starting to gather the data and information that is going to be able to speak to and help us understand exactly how we're helping patients and organizations. And what I mean by that is we're showing the information now. We're showing the real-time benefit and cost information. We know these conversations are happening with healthcare providers, and we have the nice anecdotes of people getting medications they otherwise wouldn't have. But I think there's a really interesting story here. If we could do a longitudinal study, which we're starting to work towards to actually see and quantify how much benefit patients are getting, how are we saving healthcare organizations money? How are the organizations that are at risk, the exact value that we're getting and, you know, leverage that and contribute to the broader scientific community with that information. I'd say that's something I'm really excited to get to do.
0: Yeah, that's definitely exciting. That's certainly exciting. And, you know, once you guys get that, forget about it. I mean, you'll be able to talk to the specifics of savings and access. So truly, truly awesome trend. I want to thank you for our time today. And I'm sure the listeners are grateful as well. You guys are doing extraordinary work to make medications more affordable and, and help our providers have more sustainable businesses. Why don't you leave us with the closing thought, Trent, and the best place that the listeners could reach out and um, you know, continue the conversation with you.
1: Yeah, thanks so much again for having me, Saul. This has been great. I'd say my last thought is something I've been thinking about in this this world we're living in and in the pandemic with COVID is a possible silver lining is that if you look at past pandemics and past epidemics, they've led to some really amazing innovations and discoveries. So during the, an outbreak of the plague, that's when Shakespeare wrote King Lear, Macbeth, and Cleopatra. The discovery of vaccines was really spurred by some innovation that happened during a Boston smallpox ap- epidemic. And the Spanish flu eventually led to the first flu influenza. I'm optimistic of the kinds of things that we're going to be able to come out of this innovation-wise as a society. Even though it's really painful right now, that silver lining is something that I think we should all concentrate on sometimes.
0: That's awesome, Trent. And some great historical references there to, to encourage us to keep going. Really appreciate that. And so if the listeners want to reach out and learn more or continue the conversation with you and the team, what's the best place for them to do that?
1: I would say either hit me up on LinkedIn at, you know, Trent Creedy, K-R-I-E-T-E. I think I'm the only Trent Creedy out there, so it's <laughs> easy. Or you can email me at trent.creedy at rxreview,
0: Love it, Trent. Thanks thanks for that. And listeners, if something resonated around data or, or medication adherence or lower costs, reach out to Trent. And don't forget to also check out that interview with Carm Huntress. Just extraordinary work that this leadership team at RX Review is doing. Trent, thanks again. This was great. Dot .com to learn more